Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers, leaders, and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where product leaders and managers make their move to product masters, learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence, so you'll create products that customers love, and that's what everyday innovators are all about, creating products that customers love and receiving the value by doing so. Now, this is a listener-requested episode. Several everyday innovators have asked, what are the qualities of a good product manager? While many listeners are already good product managers themselves, A little self-reflection from time to time on your strengths and how to be an even better product manager is really valuable, valuable to your career and also to those that you work with. One listener put this in a different light and asked, who should not be a product manager? I thought that was a really insightful question. So the following discussion addresses both topics, qualities of a good product manager, and also who should not pursue a career in product management. And to help us explore these topics, our guest is Mark Abraham. He's a coordinator at Product Tank and author of the book, My Product Management Toolkit, Tools and Techniques to Become an Outstanding Product Manager. Sounds like he's the right guy, doesn't it, based on that book title for us to be talking with today. And if you've listened before, you know that I take notes for you. I'll summarize all the key points and put those in the show notes. You'll find those at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 220. Now to the talk with Mark. Mark, thanks for joining the Everyday Innovators. Thank you, Chuck. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we got connected. We have both have a love for Mind the Product, and we'll talk about that in a bit too in the meetups that, that are done through that product tank. We also came across each other because you wrote a book, and I was really curious about what was in there and how it's described in, on, on the Amazon page is about you know why is it we sometimes don't create products that customers love? It's that notion. And, and this is what has really driven my career, too. It seems like sometimes we can do things that work out right, and we create products customers love. And sometimes we do things, this, what we think is the same thing, and we miss it. And I appreciate you putting a book together. We'll talk about, about that more, too. But there was a, one specific topic you addressed in the book I wanted to pull out for our time together, which is what makes a good product manager. To answer that question, first, just give us a little bit of your background about how did you get experience with that topic? My, my professional career didn't start in product management, and I appreciate that, you know, for most of the people I come across, I don't know, but you, Chad, they never started as product managers. I, for my sins, started as a corporate lawyer, hmm. um, so I did that for a number of years. That is not a transition I hear often. Right? <laughs> you know, uh, I'm still sometimes scratching my head why, you know, but it just happened. Um, and my first role in, in digital was very much as a project manager. So working on big projects for large companies that work mostly agency side. And that was, that was a great way of getting into the world of digital and understanding, you know, how do you build a website? How do you build a mobile app? How do you do customer research? How do you work with stakeholders and clients? And the reason I got interested in product management uh, back in 2010, we're talking about, because I thought there must be more than managing projects where, you know, the focus is a lot on delivering within budget, scope, uh, and certain timeframes. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I felt like, where's the, where's the creativity? Is there room to play within that, to test things? Yep. And, and then I learned about this fairly new thing in the UK, at least, about product management. And um, I started, you know, went to my first product tech meetup, like you mentioned in the introduction, 
And it took me a while to make the transition, to be honest with you, from project management to product management. So I had to, you know, do a lot of networking and, and demonstrate the value I could bring to people's products and organizations. But then in 2011, I got my first break into product management as a, as a product manager and it's been learning and growing since then. Excellent. So you got some familiarity with this. The corporate lawyer work, you weren't doing patent law, were you? No. <laughs> I, I was just curious because I don't think I've ever talked to anyone that came through the, the legal path. And it makes sense in my head, right? That maybe a patent lawyer might, but I, now you got me thinking about this. There is no chat. There's no connection whatsoever. Really not. I was doing mergers and acquisitions. Okay. So try to link that back to being a digital product manager is not the, not the easiest thing to do. But no, I'm really I'm really happy with the, with the choices I've made, and it's been quite a journey, mm-hmm. even from lawyer to project manager to product manager. And that's why I'd like to think that I've I've, I've established a better picture of what it takes to be a good product manager. Good. Yeah, we, we both share that project management background, right? So I went from engineer, then managing projects. And in my case, we were developing products. I just didn't know there was anything called product management at the time. Hmm. And so I learned about project management because that had some tools that would really help. And then thankfully later, I discovered product management, which did provide some some frameworks and tools for me to get my hands around to help address things we're doing. Awesome. Good. Thanks for that little background. And I had one other question before we dive into our key topic. I often talk to product managers and ask them when I meet them, why did they get into product management, especially if I'm with a group? Because I love hearing their stories about their motivations for moving into it. I'm just curious, you know, if you've asked that and what you've heard. It's a great point. And it's something that when I hire product managers, it's it's one of the first questions that I ask. Because as you said before, people come from lots of different backgrounds. So I'm always intrigued, like what? make you want to become a product manager. Mm-hmm. And I typically get two responses. I either hear people talking about the you know desire to solve problems mm. for customers. Um, and secondly, you know, a, a need for creativity. It, as it happens, that's one of the reasons, like I said before, why I was keen to move away from project management and go to product management. But those are the two main things that typically come up. It's wanting to solve problems and, and being more creative and mm-hmm. try things. Good. Yeah. I get similar responses. There's that definitely that need to want to create something new, you know, make your contribution that exists in the world or improve something that is out there. Be closer to customers solving their problems. The other dimension I often hear too is wanting more influence in the organization in some sense. And those often go together, I think, in a positive, holistic way. It's like, I really want to solve customers' problems, but I recognize I need more influence to actually be able to get that done. Sometimes I think people have a lofty perspective of what that influence is actually like. You know what I'm talking about? Totally. And I, I totally agree with you. And uh, the times when I hear that from people, you know, I, I was going to say I set them straight, but I will <laughs> give them that perspective in the nicest possible way to say, you know, you're not going to be the CEO of everything. Right. You, yes. You know, the influence thing totally depends on you because I find uh, and it's a topic I talk about quite a lot, the, 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 the frustrating side of product management. And a lot of that frustration, in, in my experience, at least comes from the position of a product manager where you're right in the middle, constantly liaising between the customer, between the commercial people within your business, working with engineers, working with designers, and you're supposed to be 
to have a sense of all these different areas and understand all the different right. agendas and how it connects, but you, you're the master of none. You've got, you know, it's really that classic thing about having to influence without authority. Exactly. And that's the kind of thing I do talk when people think, oh, I'm going to come in, I'm going to own the product, I'm going to rule everything. And yes, I, I've had a few instances like you, <laughs> like it sounds like you've had where, you, where I had to nuance that a little bit. Yeah, it's a role with a lot of responsibility, product managers. We really are big lovers of the organization, especially when senior leadership CEOs use us well, because we do kind of, you know, we chart the direction for future revenue for the organization. Really big lovers. Yes. But most organizations are still getting their hands around how product managers can help. And we're not always given, we're hardly ever given the authority to go along with the responsibility. We certainly need that influence so we can get others to do what we need to do, basically, and we need business skills and good communication skills so we can share our vision and what we're hearing from customers and the research we've done. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I'm always at pains to stress that being a good product manager is not a solo act. You mm-hmm. know, there's, there's not much, in my experience at least, there's not much room for product rock stars who come in and magically solve all customer problems overnight. It's very much, as you say, about being a good communicator, being a great collaborator, a healthy level of humility. I'm not saying you should be a doormat and just go with anything. You know, I talk about that in the book where I call most people the kind of the product janitors. Right. That's not the route I'm I'm advocating either. But equally, there is a level of I know my I, I know my position. I understand what I'm doing. I understand which um, levers I can pull, which ones I can't. Mm-hmm. Where I need help, where I need support. Uh, I think that's really important as a product manager because of the very nature of how we're typically positioned within an organization. Yeah, but in this topic of what makes a good product manager, I think some people might be listening that are also thinking about maybe getting into product management and having an idea of why, you know, what what are kind of the big motivations for getting into it might help you self-select if it's the right sort of role or not. So let's dive into kind of the, the characteristics of a good product manager. And I thought maybe a good place to frame that, or maybe a good place to start to frame that would be, what do you see as the most important value of a good product manager? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. And, you know, I was going to, I was going to give you a typical product manager answer and say, chat, can I give you two? Cause it is a close call in my mind between, uh, being customer focused mm-hmm. and being curious. Uh, but let me, let me stick my neck out and, and start with customer focus. Um, cause I see my role as a product person ultimately to serve the customer and to solve customer problems. And sometimes I, when I say that to people and we talk about that, people say to me, well, you know, what about business problems and, you know, delivering business value? And, and I know I'm oversimplifying it, but I always say to them in response, like, well, if you can deliver customer value, by default, you're also going to deliver right. value to the business. Um, but I think as a, a good product manager begins and ends with the customer and is really customer centric. And again, I can maybe nuance it a little bit by saying doesn't mean that you have to blindly follow what the customer says because you know sometimes customers might not know what they want or what particular problems they have or what the impact of the problem is but equally i expect a good product manager to always think about the customer and really be able to put themselves in the shoes of the customer as much as possible yeah and there is a little bit of confusion around this notion of we can't ask customers what they want 
because you know, we can't expect them to, to tell us, right? And we have these yeah. very useful quotes from you know Steve Jobs and others that say, you know, don't ask customers what they want. That by no means meant that Jobs and crew that are at Apple in the early days ignored consumer research, right? It's not like they had no appreciation that MP3 players were kind of a big deal, and we just needed one that was easier to use. Consumer research is still a big part of this. And I agree that when we say, if I came to you and say, oh, hey, I, I love that coffee cup you got there. How can I make that better for you? Not the best way to go about that. But if I ask you about how you use your coffee cup, what do you like about it? What kind of headaches does it create for you? If I watch you clean it and I say, gosh, you really have trouble cleaning that little part under there. Like maybe was the coffee club, does it have a mistake in the, how it was made or something? Right? I get more insights, right? Totally. I'm, I'm so pleased that you're bringing up that point and the, the Steve Jobs quote in particular, because as you say, I've seen that being misinterpreted so much. And I, I bring that up in the book as well, because um, that quote was by no means an excuse for not doing any customer research, as right. you say. Um, and it's really about what, how you go about doing the, the research, because, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time just observing customers, really understanding their, their problems. And that's typically, you know, you, you get that by just saying, for instance, chat, talk me through your day, talk me through the decisions that you made or the processes you went through, for instance. Um, what was the most painful? Or ask you the question, what would make your life as a customer a lot easier to get to do your day job, for instance? So really linking it back to the outcomes that the customer is trying to achieve. And that's the kind of stuff that you're going to learn through customer research, whether you do problem interviews or you do direct observation. And there's a lot of value in that. Good. So customer focus, we would be in agreement on that one for sure. But you also shared curiosity. So I do want to explore this. Tell us how you see curiosity as a value. So curiosity as a value, and you can break that down in, into lots of different bits. But for me, again, there's one key word that, I automatically think of when I think of curiosity, which is why not being afraid as a product person to ask why, whether it's asking your engineers, why we're doing this, why we're not doing that. Even if someone within the business comes to you and says, we should be really creating this mobile app. Why? Mm -hmm. And, and I can tell you how the way I've asked why over the years that's evolved, uh, obviously, because there's more kind of go-to questions that you can use, but, why is so important, and, and I'm sure your listeners have come across the five whys where you can just constantly ask why and really use it as a very simple technique to break something down and to create a better understanding. But it's that, that's where it starts. And then to build on that, I expect product managers to be curious about their customers, about their competitors, about new trends, um, about what's happening in the market overall. Mm -hmm. That is so important uh, to have that curiosity because, and not just for the sake of it, but that curiosity drives innovation, that drives product improvement in my mind. I'm interrupting the interview to share something really important. We'll get back to the discussion in just a minute, but I want you to know about an extraordinary system called the Rapid Product Mastery or RPM Experience. In just nine weeks, you can have a higher-performing product team meeting only 75 minutes a week with no travel required. One product leader, after trying all the typical training workshops, turned to the RPM experience to get real change for his team. 
He said that this is the only training that provides an integrated product management perspective. It did exactly what I needed it to do. If you have a group of 5 to 14 product professionals, learn how you too can have a high-performing team in just 9 weeks, 75 minutes a week, without travel. This is the system created by Chad, based on his experience working as a product leader, coaching several organizations, and deeply studying innovation during his PhD work. Get the guide for yourself at theeverydayinnovator.com slash RPM. I want to throw this out and get your reaction to it. It comes to my mind, as we talk about curiosity, that there is certainly this aspect that I believe in good product managers they try to not be biased. They try to not make assumptions that others might be making. And they often, in that situation, are seen as the person who might look to some as not knowing maybe what they think they should know. Being the person that is playing the ignorant role and trying not to know what the engineers know and know what others know. And Because if we start making all the same assumptions, we're not doing a good job about being curious. I just want to get your thought on that because I'm thinking in the terms of Someone listening to this right now that might think, well, should I go into product management or not? I think you kind of need to be comfortable with being seen as the ignorant one at times to be willing to ask why and not know. Totally. And and it's it's a great point. And, and I always stress that it is important to say that you don't know. And even if you're worried about being seen as silly or incompetent, which I know that some people I've spoken to before, they have that innate fear. And mm-hmm. I totally get it because it feels a bit counterintuitive, doesn't it? Because, you know, you expect, especially if you're looking for a position with with a bit more influence and authority, that surely if people come to you with questions, you should be able to answer all those questions. I think the reality is when you're developing products and particularly when you're innovating, you're doing something new or you're testing new things, the likelihood is nine times out of 10, you're not going to know. And not because you're incompetent as a product manager, it's just that it's an unknown. It's something new that you're trying. Some of the risks involved are unknown. You don't know, for instance, how the customer is going to respond. And I always encourage, and I, I create the conditions for my product managers in my teams to be feel comfortable to say no. Because um, and, and and I also then say to them, it's it's not just about saying no, but equally to have an approach to find out the answer to the question if you don't know initially, and and to come back, for instance, on your. Um, point about assumptions i think it's not even necessarily a bad thing to has, have assumptions and call those out mm-hmm. whether it's the assumptions of the product manager or the people that you work with or the customer but again having a plan of validating those assumptions sure. uh, and, and 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 just learning about them and, and being able to based on the data that you get back from those kind of learning experiments say we had that assumptions this is how we tested it this is what we learned it was right or it was wrong. Yeah, really important and calling out the assumptions. What happens the longer that we're in an organization as time goes on, we all tend to start kind of making the same assumptions together yeah. and we forget to call them out uh, that they're there or not. And so our products over time start kind of looking like everyone else's products in the industry. And, and we need some outside stimulus to think differently. I think that's one of the areas where, where that ongoing curiosity can, mm-hmm. can help it, it avoids that kind of inertia where you think, oh, I've no, I know the answers because I've been working on this product for X number of years or within this organization. But if you can find ways to, to keep yourself curious, you keep 
coming up with you know challenges to your own assumptions to the people uh, challenges to the assumptions that people around you make one of the things for instance i do just to, to help that a little bit is in my teams i move people around on products so they work on a product let's say mobile app for a given period of time and then after let's say a year they move on to something else could be you know building out the suite of apis what you get is you get a completely fresh perspective of someone who is curious, hasn't worked on APIs before, not familiar with it. Do you see what I mean? Right. Just as a simple way of facilitating that kind of ongoing curiosity. Yeah, it changes the context, right? It's just totally, you know, totally. getting out for a couple of days with customers can give you a whole fresh new set of eyes to you know think about the problem differently too. Absolutely, yeah. Good. Okay, so two key focuses. I like, like that customer focus was at the top there, two key values. Customer focus was at the top and curiosity. What are some other attributes that you would include for being a good product manager? I think one that comes to mind is being value-driven. Now, I know when I say value, that means different things to different people. I appreciate that. Uh, but it's very easy to become very output-driven as product managers. So we say, yes, we've launched this great new feature. Tick, move on to the next thing. Or we've launched this new product. Tick move on to the next thing. All these great outputs, awesome, but I expect great product managers to take a step back and saying, are we delivering the value for the customer? So that means that even before you start creating a product, whether it's a physical or digital product, you think about what could that value look like and have some hypotheses around that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we talked about assumptions, translating that into an hypothesis, which is basically saying, we know that my assumptions are true if we're seeing this kind of reaction from the market, from our customers. And then also testing it once you've launched that new feature or that new product to say, did my initial kind of assumptions and hypotheses hold true? Did I deliver on that value for the customer? Yep. Uh, and if not, why not? And that focus on being value-driven as opposed to kind of output-driven, I've seen that too where there's maybe a, a the organizational culture or the actual performance metrics on product managers is they're valued based on how much progress they're getting done on some basis, right? Like the next release got 20 new features in it. So we expect the release after that to get 20 new features in it, as opposed to what the value is actually being delivered to the customer. Totally. You know, that's, for me, that's a real big differentiator. I expect great people, great product people to be focused on on outcomes for the customer, for the business, rather than outputs. Mm -hmm. Good. How about another attribute? I think another key one, and you could argue this applies to not, you know, not just product management, but to lots of roles, but ability to learn and iterate. Mm. Uh, and that's, in some sense, that's very relevant to, to developing products because there's so much uncertainty. I always say there's no kind of blueprint or set formula that you can apply to creating successful products you know right. it's like a magic recipe go through these steps and at the end of it you'll have an amazing product uh, it doesn't work like that in in my experience so as a product manager you need to be able to learn quickly and adapt accordingly and then try again it's that continuous build measure learn kind of loop and that needs to be really baked into your approach as a product person I'm really glad you included that one. It's this notion that often gets talked about as the fail fast mentality. And a lot of organizations don't like this word fail at all. And I'm okay with that. 
But if we're doing something new, right, as product managers, we're either taking a product and making it better, that's something new, or we're creating a new product entirely that we haven't done before. Both involve things that we haven't done before. And that means we need to learn in the process. And along the way, any kind of learning is usually intermixed with some sort of setbacks and failure along the way, too. No, totally agree, and I and I agree with you there. I've 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 come across people as well who have that automatic negative connotation when it comes to the word failure, and I've learned over the years to maybe re- almost reposition it in terms of talking about risk management. Uh, and I just explained we want to learn as quickly right. and and kind of identify the biggest risks first and learn as quickly as we possibly can so that we don't waste a whole lot of time, um, money, and momentum. And I found that that kind of, that simple word risk really resonates and and moves away from, you know, to fail or not to fail. But it's really about how can we learn as quickly as possible and as often as possible, exactly as you say, particularly when you're starting from scratch with a particular product or service, and how can we mitigate risk and identify risk early and often. Yep. Good. I appreciate you going through some of those things. I know there's more in the book too. I wanted to ask you about revenue and your thoughts on that. I know because some product managers, especially product VPs, and my experience is this is maybe 10 to 20%. They'll say the number one responsibility of a good product manager is to meet the revenue expectations. For me, that's just an indicator that like that's not the right organization for me. Because my, my, my perspective is we deliver customer value the revenue, if we're doing everything else right, the revenue will implicitly be there. But what do you think about that focus on revenue being job one? It's a really tricky one. And and I agree with you. I think you have to be careful because one thing I would say is you should always think about the, the monetary aspect of your product and you should always think about the revenue aspect. You know, one of the simple questions I expect every product manager to ask, and I try to ask myself as often as I can is, Will people buy this? Will people yep. actually find this product or service compelling enough to spend money on? So that's definitely true. Um, the only thing I'm worried about when people say, well, revenue is my number one priority and that's my number one value, is that there are certain things that we do when we develop products that don't necessarily have a direct correlation with revenue. So take, for instance, you know, improving the overall customer experience. Yes, there is clearly an indirect relationship with revenue because if you provide a really good customer experience, both online and offline, it's likely to have a positive impact on on revenue. But that's not necessarily direct measure. You know, you can't measure that directly. There is not a direct causal relationship. And and there's a few more examples like that where, you know, it's a bit harder to, to make the case for doing some of those things if you're saying, well, my main focus is revenue, uh, especially, for instance, when you're scaling, then the metrics and the focus becomes different where it's not just about revenue, but it's also about you know being able to grow quickly and being able to learn quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I completely understand the revenue aspect, and I'm not saying let's ignore it and just build products for the sake of it and worry about financials later, but equally just saying revenue is my number one metric or my number one value can be quite limiting in my view. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We obviously want to build sustainable organizations, organizations that are creating value for the employees, all the stakeholders involved. And that means we need profit so we can keep our doors open and keep getting paid to do the work we're doing. 
But I know I'm, I would be much more excited showing up in the morning knowing I get to work on solving a customer's problem as opposed to, wow, I, I wonder if I'm going to meet my revenue objective for this quarter, right? Now, the objective is there. I'm not, not saying that's not important, but I, w- I like how you led with the customer focus being your most important value. Yeah, like, like I said before, and you might think this is quite a simplistic view, but I do believe that if you solve customer problems and you deliver very tangible customer value, mm-hmm. revenue and profit will follow. Yep. To look at the other side of this coin real quickly, have you ran into characteristics of people that are thinking about getting into product management where you go, you know, you probably shouldn't be a product manager. That, that's just not going to be a good fit for you. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think going back to your point earlier about people looking for influence and thinking, well, I'm going to be the CEO of the product and I'm going to be a mini CEO, I'd, I'd be very careful with that. Um, because the reality, particularly when you're starting out as a product manager, is not going to be like that. doesn't mean that you, like I said before, you have no influence or you just have to say yes to everything. But the very nature of the, the way that product manager is positioned within most organizations is that you're constantly liaising with lots of people and departments and agendas within an organization and sometimes even outside an organization and that you actually spend more time trying to to really influence the people that you're working with and that you need to get on board uh, rather than being the kind of direct influencer mm-hmm. if that makes sense um and you know I've, I've i've seen people again uh with all due respect where they clearly thought they would come in as the as a product rock star with you know all the answers the holy grail and i was like well let me tell you about the reality of this role where there is a, a certain level of humility uh, required where you have to be humble, you have to understand the lay of the land. You might not be the direct decision maker. You need to get a lot of people on board. You need to spend a lot of time just persuading people or influencing people. And and I appreciate and I've seen that that isn't necessarily for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that'll help people, I think, a little bit that might be looking into this product management thing and see if that's a good fit for them or not. So appreciate the information. More details in your book. I'll provide a link in the show notes of the book too. That book is called My Product Management Toolkit, Tools and Techniques to Become an Outstanding Product Manager. Before we talk more about how people can reach out to you and learn more about the book and some other resources, you know I love a good innovation quote. And I asked for you uh, to share one with us and tell us why you, you chose that one. I picked one from Winston Churchill who said, if you don't take change by the hand, it will take you by the throat. And I, I love that quote because I think it's so true. You know, we're all, some to to bigger extent than others, we're all afraid of change, uh, whether it's in the way we work, whether it's in a product, whether it's an organization, just change can be quite daunting. I really appreciate that. But change is happening anyway, constantly, whether you like it or not. Right. So what this quote says to me is you better embrace it because if you don't, it will catch up with you because it is there, it is happening, and it's inevitable. Exactly. It, it's going to happen whether we like it or not. Well, we might as well work with it as opposed to against it. Totally. I don't know if that quote has been shared before. It doesn't strike me as one that I know from Churchill. So I appreciate you sharing that. My pleasure. I'm, I'm pleased I, I could come up with one that you might not have come across before. That, that, that gives me pleasure. It, it's, al- it's always exciting for me, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's good. So for everyday innovators that want to find out more about the work that you do, your connection there with Mind the Product um, and your book, how can we make this happen? 
as you said, I would always encourage people to to look at mine the product. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there in terms of training, in terms of product think uh, communities that you mentioned before, and the conferences that we do. For me personally, I've got uh, my my own site where I capture a lot of kind of lessons learned, interesting products that I come across, and that site is markabraham.com, and it's just Mark with the C, Abraham, all in one word. Again, connect with me on LinkedIn if you've got questions or things that you want to follow up on based on this conversation. Again, just Mark Abraham. Find me quite easily. I've got a C in my name. That's the only thing rather than a K. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well, MAA1, which is also my handle on Medium, because uh, you will find that I write a lot about some of the topics that we talked about today. What is good product management? How to become one? some do's and don'ts. It's it's stuff that I think about on an ongoing basis. Excellent. And I will put all the links in the show notes to make it easy for people to find that information as well. Mark, I appreciate your time, your insights into product management and what it really takes to be a good product manager, kind of those right mindsets to have. Thanks for sharing those with us. Thanks a lot, Chet. Really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks again for listening to The Everyday Innovator. This is where product leaders and managers make their move to product master learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so you'll create products that customers love. Find the written notes of the discussion with Mark at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 220. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit theeverydayinnovator.com.